how'd you guys uh, how'd you guys do this week with um, what Pastor Peter preached on last weekend? Because that was good. Wasn't that just good stuff, just about a relationship with Jesus and a non-stop conversational prayer throughout the day, throughout the week. It, it really impacted me. I I really just saw myself throughout the day praying so much more. And, and I hope you did too, because I think we all left here going, wow, that was good, that was good. But then it's like, well, what did you do with it? Did it change your life? Because I really feel like it changed my life. Like last weekend was life-changing. And that's our prayer for every weekend. In fact, this weekend's message has already had such an impact on people's lives because we're talking about the end times. And uh, when we talk about these end times passages, you know, they're confusing. They're, they're difficult. Um, but I think I get it. Okay, I, I'm telling you, I, I've been studying this and I think I understand. I think I know what's happening. I think I get the whole end time thing. And having said that, um, there are people who believe all sorts of different things. A lot of good Christian men, different scholars with different views on how the, the world is going to end based upon Scripture and all the events. And, uh, and so there's a lot of disagreement. Um, but I'm right. Uh, no, I, you know, the, the whole thing is... No, no one can be so arrogant as to say, oh, no, you've got to listen to my interpretation in my way. Um, you know, I, I just really feel like I got a good understanding of this thing. At the same time, every year, the more I study, the more I look at other views, the more I go, okay, no one can really be certain. Um, but you get to a point where you just you make as much sense of it as possible. And I, I really do think that there's some clarity here. And uh, the one thing for sure, though, like I said, Scripture is for us to apply. This is not just an intellectual exercise to try to learn all these truths. We learn truths in order to change our lives. That's the whole point of Scripture. And while people may disagree on how to interpret different passages, you know, when it comes to end times, all the scholars agree on one thing, and that's the application on how we're supposed to respond to these events. Um, now, I'm going to try to get as deep as I can in the next half hour and explain these events to you. Um, and my goal, my goal this weekend has been to try to keep like 80% of you tracking with me the whole time. Because, you know, like 5 to 10% don't hear anything I say. You, you, don't, you haven't even just heard this. And, uh, but, but the rest, I, I want to I wanna get it deep enough. I want to go deep enough, you know, to where it's interesting. At the same time, I don't want to go so deep to where you're just like, okay, you lost me. Okay, so I'm going to check every once in a while, make sure you're still with me and get this. Because this is really, 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 really important stuff. And again, I'm only scratching the surface. If you want to go deeper, I really encourage you. You know, every week we have like small groups, sermon-based small groups, where groups get together and, uh, and just discuss what we talked about Sunday mornings and sometimes go more in depth. Also, if you really want to understand some of the deeper truths and some of the finer points in theology, take one of the classes at the college. You know, just audit a class. You don't have to do the homework. You know, just sit in and listen to the lectures and, uh, and read some of the books because uh, you really will get such a better grasp on some of these issues. Um, and hopefully this is just a start for you. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. Remember we left off here last, or two weeks ago. And remember what was going on. Jesus was at the temple and Jesus was talking about end time events. He was talking about the near future. He, he was talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. Remember, that's when the d disciples saw the temple. They go, wow, look at this place. It's so beautiful. And Jesus says to them, eh, let me tell you the truth. There's, there isn't going to be one stone left upon another 
this place is going to be demolished. He goes, in fact, when you see the armies surrounding Jerusalem, get out of there. Don't even come close to this place because this place is going to be overtaken. It's going to be trampled upon. And that's exactly what happens, you know, about uh, 30, 40 years later. Uh, the Roman Empire comes in, exactly as Jesus said, and they destroy everything, burn the whole thing, run the city over to where there's nothing left on top of each other and uh, no stone left untouched. And, um, but then... We get to verse 24. And I I believe Jesus is kind of shifting the conversation here now. Verse 24, he says, They will fall by the sword, talking about the Jews there in, in Jerusalem. They will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Okay, so Jesus says the next thing that's going to happen after Jerusalem's trampled upon, he says they'll continue to be, uh, that city will be continue to be trampled upon by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Now, how many of you, honestly, by show of hands, have never heard of this time period called the times of the Gentiles? How many have never heard of that? Okay. Good. Almost, almost all. Most people. The same thing every service. This whole idea of the times of the Gentiles is very, very important. It's not talked about a whole lot. But if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 11. I want to explain what this time of the Gentiles is, this time period. Because uh, some say we're in it right now. Some say it just ended um, after 1900 years. And I'll get into that in a second. But it's very important just to understand what it is. Romans chapter 11, verse 25. You guys still with me? Okay, this is the easy part. I lost you already. Okay, Romans 11, verse 25. I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved, as it is written, The Deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Okay, so he here, again, talks about this time of the Gentiles. And he says, what's happened is, okay, after the Roman Empire came in to Jerusalem, wiped it all out, then they kind of occupied it. The Jews were out of their land. And he says, you know, there's this time period called the time of the Gentiles where the Jews... Okay, here's what I'm about to do. I'm going to summarize the Bible, the whole Bible, in five minutes. Okay? Try to stick with... I may leave some things out. But I'm going to try to explain the whole Bible in five minutes. Okay? I think this is important for you to understand just the the whole big picture. You ready? In the beginning. Okay? Genesis 1.1. God creates the world. Okay? He makes the world. You guys know that? That there used to not be a world. The thing you're sitting on right now. It wasn't here. He makes it. He makes everything. He makes people. You and me. He makes them. The people start to rebel against God on this earth. He gives us commands. We start breaking all these commands. So what God does in Genesis 6 is He wipes out the whole earth, all of the people, except for this family, you know, Noah's family. 
And, and you guys know the story of the ark. Noah then, you know, lands back on the earth, you know, everything subsides, he's back on the earth, you know, the flood subsides, and uh, they, he starts repopulating the earth. The, the earth gets populated, and then uh, you've got the Tower of Babel thing, you know, and the nations get dispersed everywhere. There's people everywhere. It just gets multiplying, multiplying, multiplying. All these people repopulate the earth. Then, in Genesis chapter 12, God speaks to this man named Abram. He says, Abram, I'm going to make a nation out of you. Okay? There's, you're going to have descendants. You're going to have so many descendants, you can't even count them. This is an amazing prophecy because Abram was about 100 years old. Okay? And so you got this man, Abram, and he's getting this promise that he's going to be the father of this nation. And, uh, and he makes him a promise. He says that through this nation, this nation is going to be a blessing. God is going to bless all the nations of the world through this one nation. Okay, and he's talking about Abraham's descendants. He changes his name to Abraham. It used to be Abram. Abraham. Ham is just like a. Uh, it's, it's like something you tack on to the end of a, uh, a Hebrew noun that makes it plural. Because he's saying, you know, he's saying, no, you're going to be called Abraham now. You know, because there's going to be so many of your descendants. And so through this nation, what God says he's going to do was he's going to take this one nation of the descendants of Abraham, and uh, they were the Jewish nation. He says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to become their God. Okay, there were a bunch of people that were worshiping idols, this and that. He says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take this one nation coming from you, Abraham, and I'm going to bless this nation. I'm going to be their God. They're going to know me. And then the whole world's going to look at the God of Israel and go, man, that's the only real God. Everyone that goes to war with you, you know, when, when, when I'm on your side, they're going to be obliterated because I, I'm your God and everyone's going to know, wow, the God of Israel is the only true God. That's how he was going to bless the whole world. Okay, now you know some of the story of uh, the, the, the descendants of Israel, they, of, of Abraham. They start, uh, they start following God and, you know, they start to multiply till there's just tons of them. And then remember the Egyptians at the time with Pharaoh. Did you watch Prince of Egypt? Okay. That was real, you know, Pharaoh, you know, was, was there and all that stuff. I mean, not all that was real, but a lot of it. But, um, you know, he, he, they start enslaving the Israelites, and those are God's people. And he says, no, these are my covenant people. I'm going to get them out. And he calls Moses. Remember Moses? Let my people go. No. You know, and the, the whole thing, you know, and, and he goes through the Red Sea, parts of Red Sea, gets them out of the desert. He goes, oh, I'm going to take to this promised land. But the people are starting to rebel against God. And God says, you know what, forget it. I'm not taking you to the promised land yet. I'm going to let you guys wander around the desert till this whole generation of whiners dies. And the next generation, I'm going to take into the promised land. So then, after all those people die, then, you, then Joshua leads them into this promised land. You know, even Moses dies. And Joshua takes over, leads them to the land that they call Israel. This is the promised land. God says, okay, I got my people in my land, and I'm going to bless the whole world through them. So they start following God and things are going well. This nation's flourishing and people are starting to fear their God. Going, man, who is this God? That was with the Ark of the Covenant and they start fighting for this Ark. It's like, man, whoever has that Ark, whoever has this God, they win all the battles. Man, this is the only true God. This is the real God and more and more people are starting to turn to Him. Well, the Israelites start to rebel against God. Again, just again, start to rebel against God and God starts sending prophets and saying, look, start obeying His laws, otherwise He's going to take you out of this land. And the Israelites are like, come on, the temple's here. God's never going to take us out of Israel. And all these prophets are warning, have I already gone over five minutes? 
I'm probably at four, okay. And uh, he's, he's, you know, and so what, what, what God does is because they refuse to repent, he takes his people out of the land. The Assyrians come in, the Babylonians come in, they exile the people of Israel. The, the Jews are taken out of their land and other people occupy their land. Well, then what God does is, is during the Medo-Persian Empire, um, he, he gets the Jews to come back into the land of Israel. Amazing thing, but he brings them back. And now they're back in the land again. They rebuild the temple. It's not as great as the early one, but people are starting to worship God again. But after a while, they start rebelling against God again. And this is the point when Jesus comes to the earth. Okay, so they've sent prophets the last time, and this time God says, okay, I'll send my son to listen to my son. And his son comes down and warns them and warns these people, look, God loves you, but you've got to repent. You've got to come back to him. And what do they do? They nail him to a cross, which is all a part of God's plan. And Jesus was dying for their sins as well as ours. And, and, and this is where the story's going on. And Jesus says, listen, you know, as they're marveling at the temple, he goes, listen, that temple's going to be wiped out. These, these people are going to come in, they're going to take over the city, they're going to trample on it. And there's going to be this whole period of the Gentiles. And so what happens in A.D. 70 is the Roman Empire comes, destroys, inhabits Jerusalem, kicks all the Jews out. In fact, uh, they killed about a million of them during that whole conquest. Uh, they threw like 100,000 of them over the city walls right there in Jerusalem. And, uh, and again, it, they're, they're wiped out. They're out of the land. And, and so Jesus says, and then he goes, but that's not the end. He goes, there's going to be this period of the Gentiles. And Paul explains, he says, the period of the Gentiles is when those Jews are hardened toward God, then God is going to bring in a bunch of Gentiles. What is a Gentile? Basically, you're either a Jew or you're a Gentile. So if you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. Many of us, there's some Jewish people in the room, but most of us, we're, we're Gentiles. We're, we're not Jewish. And, and the, the whole idea is, he goes, don't get conceited, though. In Romans 11, don't go getting conceited and go, yeah, those Jews, you know, they rebelled against God. We're the chosen ones. He says, don't get conceited because this is just a hardening in part. And it's just for a time. God is not done with Israel. When you read this book, it is about a love story that God has with this nation of Israel. This covenant that he made with Abraham. And he promises, look, I, I'm going I'm I'm to bless all the world through you. And, and he's not done with the nation of Israel. I, I believe this all in my heart. When you read the book of Revelation, in fact, if you have the book of Revelation, if you have your Bible, um, turn, to, turn to Revelation. Well, some people might just have a pocket Revelation. Revelation <laughs> chapter 6. Um, Revelation chapter 6. I want to show you something that God's not done with Israel because that's not the end of the story. The period of the Gentiles, okay? For 1,900 years, the Jews are not in Israel, okay? It's the period of the Gentiles. And, 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 but I want you to see something in Revelation chapter 6. Are you guys still with me? Does that make sense? You got it? You know, kind of took them in the land, out of the land, and out of the land, out of the land. Um, Revelation 6 starts describing what's going to happen at the end times. Verse 12. Look at verse 12. We'll just skip to the end. Now, you know, and let me say this. If, uh, if, if you, you really want to study the book of Revelation, you just want to understand it better, I preached through Revelation about five years ago. And it's on our website. And so you can just log on. You can listen to the whole book um, preached through. I, I think it took like 15 weeks or something. It just kind of 
preach through the book of Revelation so you understand that book. It's, it's, uh, it's a book that we all need to understand. Um, I know sometimes we get kind of freaked out by end time stuff and interpretation, this and that, but I kept it pretty basic um, to where you can breeze through it and understand it. But in chapter 6, as he's describing the beginning of the end, listen to what's going to happen on the earth. Verse 12. I watched as he opened the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red and the stars in the sky fell to the earth as late figs dropped from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The sky receded like a scroll rolling up and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and every slave and every free man hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They called to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of Him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come and who can stand? Okay, it's kind of terrifying things. We're so used to life being a certain way. And he says, what's going to happen at the end is, is everything's going to change. He goes, you're going to look up at the sun and it's going to turn black. You're going to look at the moon and it's going to be like blood red. Things are going to fall out of the sky. You know, and people will be so terrified because they're going to know this is the wrath of God and they're going to be running to the mountains. He, he goes, it's princes, kings, generals, slaves, everyone. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter when there, where this type of catastrophe takes place. It doesn't matter how famous you are, how much money you have, or, or this or that, how many people know you. It's you and God. And he, he talks about how people just start hiding and, and, and hoping that they can somehow hide their face from God. Well, before all of God's wrath is poured out, something else happens. And it's in Revelation chapter 7. If you keep reading on, and this is where we get to the Jews. Chapter 7. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or any tree. Then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and the sea. Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. The tribe of Judah, 12,000, Reuben, 12,000, on and on and on. Let's keep reading. Okay, look at verse 9. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They're wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands, and they cry out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Then one of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they? Where did they come from? I answered, sir, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Okay, let me explain this real quickly. So at the end before all God's wrath gets poured down on this earth, these angels 
have to hold back God's wrath and they seal 144,000 people on the earth. And the Bible explains these are Jewish people. Jewish believers, 144,000 of them, 12,000 from each tribe. And what they do is they're on the earth during the catastrophes, but nothing hurts them because they have the seal of God on them. And so they're protected and they go all around the earth as God's witnesses. And then when he says he sees this multitude that came out of the tribulation, it's, it's all these multitudes of people that actually get saved, I believe, during the tribulation and they come out of it. They were saved by these 144,000 witnesses. You see, and, and so now you have, and that's the way I see it, in the book of Revelation, you have, you have the fulfillment of Genesis chapter 12 in a very powerful way. Genesis 12, what does God promise Abraham? He says, through your descendants, they're going to be a blessing to all the nations of the world. You know, because I'm going to be their God. And you see that happen throughout history, but never so powerfully than in the book of Revelation. At the very end, the climax of this thing is you've got the Jewish people now sealed by God going to the world. And it says that people from every tribe and nation come out of this tribulation pure, saved by God. And I believe it's because of the witness of these 144,000. And that's his plan with Israel. And so it's, it's a really beautiful picture. I mean, do you see that now, kind of? You know, there's the whole scanning and the, and the picture there. But, but here's the thing. is um, Okay, and honestly, how many of you got lost a little bit in there? Just a few of you? Okay. All right, just a few of you. Less than 10%. Okay, so if you're lost... Forget what I said and come to me right now. Okay, Luke, Luke 21. We'll go back to Luke 21 and we'll pick it up again. Luke 21. Jesus, what did he, what did he predict? He predicted the fall of Jerusalem, right? He said the army is going to come, they're going to destroy it. You got that part? God predicts that. Jesus predicts this right before he dies. He says this is going to happen and then it happens. And he says after that there will be a period of the Gentiles, right? A period where... The Jews aren't going to occupy Israel. The, the Gentiles are going to trample over it. He goes, then after that, that's what he gets into now. He, he describes the end time scenes. After the period of the Gentiles. He says, in verse 25, he says, there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. Sound familiar? Just like Revelation 6, right? There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars after this period of the Gentiles. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. So it's not just like a little storm that's going to affect a couple of people. He says full nations will be involved at these tsunami-type events that, uh, that will just kind of devastate things. Then he goes on in verse 26. He says men will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. So he says, okay, I, I mean, imagine if you're on the earth and let's say you don't believe in God. Let's say you don't believe any of this stuff. Or maybe you've never been taught it. And then suddenly you see the sun start darkening. You're going, what in the world? Then at night the moon comes out and it's blood red. And then you start hearing about these tsunamis everywhere and, 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 and nations just being so impacted and everyone's freaking out and earthquakes and all these catastrophes. Then suddenly you look up in the sky and you see this being coming down out of the sky. 
I mean, if everything else didn't freak you out, now suddenly something's coming out of the sky, a person in all of its glory, you're just terrified. And it says that people are so scared that they're passing out. They're fainting. Just left and right because you're so used. Oh no, the sun just rises so beautiful, sets so beautiful. Everything just works. Oh, is it a full moon, half moon? We're just so comfortable. And then suddenly our whole world as we know it just comes crashing down and this being starts coming down this, out of the sky. People are just terrified. They're passing out. They're, they're just running for their lives. But then look at verse 28. When these things take when these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Oh, I love that sentence. Because you guys, are you getting it? This is the most extreme contrast in the history of mankind. Think about it. He says the whole world is going to be terrified. They're going to be screaming. They're going to be running. They're going to run into caves going, gosh, hide us from the wrath of God. You know, they're going to be, you know, the, the oceans all tossing, turning. Millions of people are dying. People are passing out terrified. He says, but you, when all this stuff is going on, the world is all chaotic. He goes, but you, he goes, you stand up and you lift up your heads. Because you know your redemption's coming. Man, what a beautiful picture. He says, when the whole world is falling apart, you who believe in me, you just stand there and you lift up your head. Because you know I'm coming to get you. This is your time. This is what you've been waiting for. What a rush. What an amazing scene. You know, I I, uh, I get so emotional sometimes when I'm on a trip, and I you know I leave my family quite a bit to go speak somewhere, and and once I'm once I make that turn and it's time for the flight back, my mind just immediately just gets locked in on, can't wait to see Lisa, can't wait to see my kids, I can't wait to hold my kids, I can't wait to, you know, and to, so if the plane's delayed, I just get so mad and. You know, try to figure out a flight that'll get me home. You know, and then, you know, if the luggage is lost, oh, I just want to kill someone. You know, just, you know what I mean? Just like, I got, because I'm just, I want to see them. I just want to hold them again. I'm cra- I, I haven't seen them in days or weeks, and I just want to see them. And, you know, and all of that emotion, just to see them at the airport or, or get home and see their faces, I, I just can't wait for it. This is, uh, do you see what this is? This is about some of us have been waiting our lives to see our Savior. This is the person we love more than our families, more than anyone else on this earth. And while we talk to Him, it's just not the same of just when we see Him coming in that glory. I mean, do you look forward to that? While everything else is chaotic for you, just to look up and just say, Oh, come, Lord Jesus. I've been waiting for you because like Pastor Peter said, He's my friend Jesus says in John 15, I don't call you my slaves. He says, if a slave doesn't know his master's business, he goes, I called you my friends. More than that, he calls us his bride. It's about this intimacy with God. He, he, He calls us his children. 
to all who received him. He gave him the right to become children of God. We're his kids. He says, when you call, when you talk to my father, call him Abba. Call him Daddy. You know, it's like, you know, we're the bride of Christ. We're, we're the children of God. We're the friends of Christ. It's all intimacy. And it's this beautiful picture of him coming back for his bride. And while everyone else is terrified of him, we stand and we lift up our heads. And we oh yes, this is it. It's what I've been waiting for. Man, are you looking forward to that? Do you have that type of intimacy with God where you just cannot wait? to see his face. In uh, verse 29, he goes on and he says, he tells him this parable. He says, look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know the kingdom of God is near. This is a real simple thought. He goes, okay, you know how when the tree starts spraying leaves, you go, oh, it's almost summer. Duh. You know, it's just like you can walk out here today and you go, oh, I'm sweating. It must be summer. Okay, I figured it out. I got the clue. The sun's burning me. It's, it's summertime. You know, he says in the same way, he goes, you can look at these signs. Remember earlier, he said, hey, when, when Israel's destroyed, that's not the end. When Jerusalem's trampled upon, that's not the end. There's going to be this period of the Gentiles. You know, he explains that wasn't the end, so don't go falling for the false messiahs. This period of Gentiles, he goes, but then, when you see all this stuff, these are signs that the time's near. Just like when it's hot outside and the trees are blooming, oh, summer's near. In the same way, if you walk outside, oh, the sun's black, oh, the moon's red. You just figure it out, okay, that means the time is near, okay? These are signs, this is obvious. This is when it's going to happen, and that's when you can lift up your heads and go, oh, he's coming right now. This is great. This is the end times. Now, then he says in verse 32, I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Now, what does he mean by a generation here? The word generation can mean three things. Generation can mean, a generation is a word that's referred to all the descendants of a common ancestor can be one generation. That's how a word can be used. Uh, another way a generation can be used is it refers to a group of people that were all born at the same time. You know, like, a, like we'd say the, the, the baby boomers or the busters or, the, or Gen X, Generation X or Generation Y or, you know, whatever. You know, they were all born in that same period of time and kind of went through the same things. So that can be what a generation means. But another definition, and this is one I think he's talking about, is the word generation can mean a period of time that's occupied by a certain set of people or even successive sets of people as long as they're all within the same time frame or time period, which I believe he's referring to this period of the Gentiles. He says that that generation, it's not like there's going to be this period of the Gentiles, then there's going to be something else, and then Christ is going to return. He goes, no, there's this period of the Gentiles, and that generation is, going to pass, is not going to pass away until all of the things are fulfilled. This is very important, because I'm going to talk about that why. And, and if you look at verse 33, it even explains it more clearly. He says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Okay, he has just said this generation isn't going to pass away until this thing happens. So the people in this generation are going to doubt, is he really going to return? Is he not going to return? Is he really going to happen? Is he not going to return? He goes, you know what? Heaven and earth will pass away before my words pass away. Look, when I say something, it's going to happen. Okay? And so those of you living in this period of the Gentiles know that, that you're going to see the return of Christ. Now, 
let me throw out a possibility to you, at you. Some people have suggested that the period of the Gentiles ended in 1948. Does anyone know why? Why? Yeah, nation of Israel. Israel became a nation again. I'm not saying this is the exact interpretation. I'm just saying this makes a lot of sense. Think about this. Remember, going all the way back, you know, God puts the Jews in the land. They rebel against him, he takes them out. God put them back into the land. They crucify his son, he takes them out. He says, there's going to be this period of Gentiles, but it's just for a while. It's just a period of time. And 1,900 years later, Israel becomes a nation again. Because this made no sense at all. If you study just the history of mankind, you would know that makes no sense. How did Israel become a nation again? They were squashed. They were destroyed. No group of people have gone through what the Jews have gone through. No one. No one has gone through that type of persecution and survived and then came back and rebuilt a nation? I mean, you understand. I mean, this was huge. When, when Jesus prophesied that they were going to be destroyed, man, during that conquest, a million of them died. A hundred thousand of them are thrown over the wall. During the second century, Hadrian comes in and he kills another half million Jews. All through their history, the Jews are persecuted. Man, the English, the French, they're destroying just swarms of Jews. Then Hitler comes in, kills another six million Jews. And then... How in the world in 1948 does this little group of people come? And you, gotta, you understand the geography of Israel. It's this tiny piece of land and it's surrounded by all these people that hate, absolutely hate, with a passion, the Jews. They're going to sneak back in their land. Ooh, no one's watching. I'm going to, they're going to sneak back in, 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 in front of millions and millions and millions of people who hate them and take their land over again. This makes no sense in the world outside of God's plan. You, look at the, you study the Six-Day War in 1967 and you go, how in the world did that little army fight off all of its enemies and expand their land? And people go, you know what? I think that's the time of the Gentiles came to a close in 1948. Here's another thought. Do you know how many Jews were living in Israel in the year 1800? About 2,000. It's not very many. Because remember, this is the time of the Gentiles. No, the Gentiles are taking over the land. Year 1800, there are 2,000. The year 1900, there were 50,000. That's a pretty big jump in those, uh, in those hundred years. I mean, for all that time. Okay, but you went from 2,000 to 50,000 in 1900. You know how many Jews were living in Israel in the year 2000? Over 5 million. Over 5 million Jews came back to the land of Israel. And I don't know the current stats in the last five years. But I'm willing to bet a lot of you weren't even aware of any of this going on. And God says, you know what, these things are going to happen. It's just going to sneak up on you. And so people would say, they believe, a lot of people believe that the time of the Gentiles ended in 1948. After all these years, Israel became a nation again, and now they've re-inhabited the land. 
And if Jesus' prophecy, if it's referring to that, he says that that generation would not pass away until all the end time events happen. So if you were born in 1948, 1948, that would make you 57 right now. He's saying that generation wouldn't die out before all these things happen. If you're 57 years old, I mean, I don't know how much longer. You know how much more time. And then people say that's why they believe this return could be any time. I'm not saying that that's exactly the right way to interpret it. I'm just saying that sure does make a lot of sense to me. An awful lot of sense to me. And the events that have taken place in Israel don't make any sense any other way. I mean, when I was a kid, we didn't think about Israel at all. We didn't think about the Middle East at all. You know, you, know, you talk about the superpowers. You're thinking, okay, who's going to take over the world, U.S. or Russia? You know, and then pretty soon, you know, the whole oil embargo thing takes place. And now everyone's focused on the Middle East. Everyone's focused on Israel. Every time you pump gas, you think about the Middle East right now, don't you? You know, I mean, seriously, because we depend on them so much for the oil and everything else. Everyone's focused on this place. And it sure seems like every single thing is in place for Christ to return. Now, that's, those are possibilities, and I think valid ones and things we need to think about so that we're not caught off guard. Um, but enough of that. You know, what, what do we know for sure? What we know for sure is verse 34. Verse 34, Jesus says, Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that's about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Each day Jesus was teaching at the temple and each evening he went out to spend the night on the hill called the Mount of Olives. And all the people came early in the morning to hear him at the temple. So he would, he's at the temple. It's the last week of his life and this is what he chooses to share. And his whole point in all this, he says, you better be careful. He says, be careful. He says, make sure you're not burdened, that you don't have this weight where you're thinking about. He goes, he goes, he goes where you're not drunk. He goes, where you're not given into dissipation. Dissipation was a headache. You know, it's the whole idea of, of a hangover, I believe. He's, you know, don't be drunk, hungover. He goes, or, or focused on the, the cares or anxieties of life. Don't think, he goes, don't spend your whole day thinking and worrying about the things of the world so much that you're not ready for his return and you're not eagerly expecting and waiting for it. And you guys, this one nails us. That phrase nails us. Because honestly, when's the last time you just took your mind off of every little piddly task you had here on the earth and thought about the fact that Jesus Christ is returning? I mean, where is your mind? Is your mind focused and burdened on, oh, my mortgage payment, my work, oh, my kids, my, my this, my that, my car, what am I going to do, my retirement? Because you know what? Focus on the eternal. Otherwise, it's going to sneak up on you. It's going to come just like that. It's going to come like a trap if you're not ready. He says, be focused. Wait for that day. Look forward to it. Don't go putting off any decisions you need to make. See, a lot of people go, well, you know, okay, maybe I'll wait till the sun turns black. You know, and then I'll get my life together. I'll, I'll know then. It's like, you guys, it doesn't work that way. Because here, here's the thing, and I'll close with this. If you read through the book of Revelation, there's an amazing scene. It's one of the most shocking scenes to me. It's Revelation chapter 16. 
And uh, we don't have time to turn there right now, but in Revelation 16, God's just pouring out His wrath on the earth. Everything's falling apart. And you know what happens? It says some of the people on the earth, what's their response? It says they shake their fists at God and curse Him. I read that and I go, ah, oh, that's so stupid. Seriously, I mean, you know, God's throwing things from the sky, you know, everything's falling apart, and your first thought is, I know what I'll do, I'll curse Him. Hey, stop it, you know. You know, it's just like, are you kidding me? But you guys, the more I think about it, that's what sin does to you, though. You, you would never think you'd get to that point. It's just like an alcoholic. I didn't know I was going to be an alcoholic. I just thought I'd get into this a little bit, party a little bit, and then boom, I was gone, you know. If you don't know, and the whole idea of sin is, it's, it's like a whirlpool. You know, you kind of, oh, it's kind of fun, kind of fun. And you go, well, I'll wait, I'll go a little faster, then I'll swim out. You know, you get deeper and deeper into that. Things going to suck you in to the point where you, you won't give up your sin for anything. You're so in love with your sin that, man, you don't care if the sky's falling apart and everything else, you're not letting go of this. That's just what happens. Man, the easiest time for you to turn away from your sin and turn to God is today. People say, well, I'll take one more drink and then I'll... No, you won't. It's just going to take you deeper in the spiral. I'm just going to sleep with her one more time and then I'll... No, you know what? It's just this spiral. It's going to take you down and that day's going to come like a trap and you're not ready for it. You're not alert for it. You guys, if you need to get something right before God, today is going to be your easiest opportunity because the longer you get sucked in by it, the harder it is to swim out of it. And that's what this is all about. You're not going to wait until the, the next tsunami or next earthquake or whatever else to wake you up. If you don't wake up today, it's just going to get harder. People go, oh, I'll get baptized later when I'm older. When I'm you know what? It's now or never. This is it. Today, if you hear His voice, don't harden your hearts. Don't, don't go walking away from it. If you need to get something right with God, do it today. Because this stuff is real. You see, there's no middle ground. Either you're one of those people that just is terrified of God and you don't want His return, or you're like the rest of us that just can stand and lift up your head and go, Jesus, come on, make it today, make it today. Come today, I'm waiting for you. Man, if you're not excited and you don't want Christ to return today, you need to get some things right in your life. And we're going to have a worship time right now, but the last thing you need to do is sing for some of you. You need to get things right. If you need to pray with someone, I'll be up here by the prayer room, some of the other pastors and counselors. If you want to get baptized today, just do it, but don't put it off. This is real. This is everything. Jesus was right about everything, and he says, you know what? Mark my words. My words won't pass away until they come to fulfillment. The world's going to end just like Jesus said it would. I guarantee it.